Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. This episode is from a recorded conversation featuring senior fellow Harinder Singh and Manpreet Singh, discussing the significance of the Sikh motto Raj Kuriga Kalsa. They look into the meaning from the 1700s towards the modern interpretation. Facilitating the session is Mavinder Kaur. Thank you for joining today's webinar hosted by the Sick Research Institute. Featuring senior now fellow I would like Harinder to introduce Singh you to and Manpreet Jessel, discussing the significance Harinder of the Sikh motto Raj Kuriga Khalsa. They look into its meaning from the 1700s, the one is the modern interpretation. Love and justice symbiotic paradigm propels him to leverage public awareness for social change. He currently serves as the Senior Fellow, Research and Policy at the Sikh Research Institute. Mr. Singh co-founded the Sikh Research Institute and the Punjab Digital Library, organized the Free Akal Takht movement, and envisioned Kaur and Singh Academy. He is Guru Sikh, Punjab's lover, and Begumpura's Jedi. He resides in the United States with his wife and two children. Manpreet Singh is the Digital Marketing Lead at the Sikh Research Institute. Previously, he worked for Fortune 500 companies, where he was a marketing director, leading digital strategies. He's always been attached to Sikri since its foundation and is the host of the SikCast, a podcast produced by Sikri, where we explore the various issues and events affecting Sikhs worldwide. He currently lives in New York with his wife and daughter. Please welcome Harinder Singh and Manpreet Singh. Harinder, Vaigrujika Khalsa, Vaigrujika Great being here with you tonight, man. We're usually on audio, but it's so awesome that we're on video today. How you doing? Good. Good to connect over video and good for there to everyone who is uh, watching us live or afterwards. So tonight we're going to talk about this uh, article you wrote on Sikri.org. I hope everyone that's on this webinar read it. If not, definitely go out, um, go online and check it out. So you wrote this article, Raj Grega Khalsa, the Khalsa and the Rule. And I definitely want to get into this because it was much needed, I think, for us, for the community uh, here in America and globally. And before we get into the motto itself, Raj Grega Khalsa, let's let's do a little breakdown of the words here, Raj and Khalsa, and then we'll go into the article. Sure. You know, the word Raj itself is quite indigenous to South Asia. And anytime somebody uses this word, uh, it is essentially, it implies some sort of a rule or governance. Uh, mostly when we are invoking the word Raj, it's very clear that it is actually referring to the word rule, uh, like the British Raj or the Khalsa Raj, you know, Sikh Raj. These are the words we use quite often. So Raj very clearly means the, uh, the, the current terms, you know, what we might be used to from a political science angle might be, you know, now we call them nations or countries or states. The earlier ideological terms are republic, you know, uh, independent area, geographical areas. There are various sorts of uh, words available for this, but the indigenous term is Raj. And the word Khalsa, again, you know, when we look at from uh, its originations, we see that we find this word in Bani of even Pagat Kabir where he says in Guru Granth Sahib, he uses the word Khalse, referring to this idea of unblemished. Generally, we translate that as being pure, but you know the purity in a political connotation has much negative tendencies, like, you know, like we are going through this white power or white supremacy ideas in America. In India, it's going through you know, the higher caste being the pure ones or unblemished ones, or um, you know, in Nazi Germany, they believed they were the only pure people. So when we look at the word Khalsa, I prefer to say like flawless or wiseless, which is in line with Gurbani's ideas, which means people who are unadult unadulterated, which means the idea is unadulterated. Uh, so wiseless or flawless, when we apply it politically, the word also means something which is belongs directly to the king or the emperor. So there used to be a piece of land generally uh, kings used to give it to the emperors and the local chiefs used to give it to the kings. But any land or the force, the, that is the army, the forge, which directly belonged to the emperor was also called the Khalsa. 
uh, in West, this word is used too, you know, like King George's own, which means this is directly answerable to the emperor. So word Khalsa gets invoked by Guru Gobind Singh, the one who directly answers on behalf of the Guru to the divine or Ikko Ankar or Vaiguru. Thanks for that. So let's get into it. Let's Raj Karega Khalsa. When did it come into the Sikh lexicon? You said it was must have been penned between 1699 and 1708. Let's let's explore that. Sure. So I think the the phrase itself, which we only use are three words, you know, which have become very common, uh, including in Bollywoods and the Punjabi songs. Uh, but actual whole phrase is a dohira itself, which comes at the end of a bani or a composition by Painandalal Goya. For everyone's benefit, I'm sure many uh, viewers know this already, but Painandalal Goya was a court poet of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj. In Sikh tradition, he is considered that in addition to Guru Granth Sahib's bani and the banis of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj, Patshari Dasmi and Pai Gurdas, and Painandalal Goya, which means he's elevated to the level that these are the banis to be sung. These are the banis to be recited. They are to be understood very well in addition to the larger canonical traditions, which we call Guru Gansar. So this is a bani called Tankhanama. Uh, some historians say it was called Nasihatnama as well. And there are variations of those manuscript wise some lines are different, but every manuscript includes this line. This, this Barney, this composition is short. It is, it describes the relationship essentially of a Sikh to the Guru. It gets very quickly into some of the protocols. And then the last one third or so describes who the Khalsa is. And the end of the Barney is where this particular line comes. Raj karega Khalsa, Aki rahe na koi, khwar hoi sab milenge. Now, this is very important to understand because this actual context of the Bani is that Painandalal Goya is asking questions and Guru Gobind Singh is responding. So actually this Dohra is a response of Guru Gobind Singh because the, the, the beginning of this actually says, Suno Nand, matlab he's saying, listen, O Painandalal, that I'm about to tell you now what you've asked me. So actually this Dohra, if we go by the text and the context and the Sikh memory tradition, all of them come together to say these are, this is actually the promise of Guru Gobind Singh that the Khalsa will rule, Khalsa is going to rule. So Raj Karega Khalsa, the context of it is this particular four, uh, phrase is founded sometime between 1699 and 1708 because it is shown up as an Abani called Ankhanama. So it, it is from the times of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj because Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj is answering the questions of Painandalal Goya. So let's get to the Raj part because since I've been hearing your lectures in Gurdwaras or even workshops, you always quote Satabal uh, Vansvat uh, on the Nanakrachalaya. So let's, let's uh, talk about that too. What Raj are we talking about here? Yeah. yeah, you know, so we can actually make it more contemporary for our discussion's sake. Last year, the whole globe was celebrating Nanak Shai 550. And one of the questions I was through Secrets Institute, through my travels to Pakistan and India and other places, you know, where the diaspora lives, one of the questions I was trying to raise was, what are we celebrating? I mean, are we going to reduce Guru Nanak to what some of the historians have done or what of the popular culture has done or whatever non-Guru Granth Sahib idea of Guru, on Guru Nanak Sahib has done. So most people are talking about that. That's what they did have reduced Guru Nanak to somebody who was just spiritual, somebody who only wrote or sang, but nobody talked about what really he did at Kartarpur, which was after his second Udasi. That was his project. So when Guru Granth Sahib talks about what Guru Nanak started on this earth, it says Nanak Raj Chalaya such court Satani Nibde that Nanak started a Raj Chalaya Shuru Karta, initiated, commenced, you know, it started. And what is that? Such court Satani Nibde, the, the foundation of truth, on the foundations of truth, he uh, established a fort. Now, 
people generally say that these this is a huge debate on gurbani which i do not want to get into because that's not the context today but there are people who says gurbani is only spiritual nowhere any of the gurus are this only spiritual and the most common word for spirituality in punjabi is rohaniyat kithe nahi likhya ki rohaniyat di gall kar li guru is perfect gurunanak is starting a new raj and raj means the way we live the way we govern and the governance system he started he established kartarpur sahab until kartarpur he traveled the world he talked to the people he shared his ideas everywhere he went some people listened some didn't some came to check him out some came to argue with him but he did not say you all need to live like this but at kartarpur he says this is where we follow the ekankar doctrine this is where the nam culture comes in and this is the raj guru nanak started at kartarpur sahab which was replicated by every guru in different what we can say like city states and all the 10 gurus gave these trainings all gurus were equally political as they were spiritual in fact the sikh term is guru which means perfection they are eliminating all ignorances not just the spiritual ignorance there is a political ignorance there is economic ignorance there is any ignorance you can come up with you know all the ways we now study uh, as departments in universities or in our youtube videos or however we might want to do it all the ignorances guru is removing and this was a training for 239 years by guru nanak sahab through guru gobind singh maharaj and what is recorded in the dohera is this idea that raj is not just a governance now because we have been working to change the opinions we have been working with the states of the time to change their policies and if the policies don't change if they don't treat people as equal uh then we must establish and we must be able to we have been preparing to to fight the state and establish the new idea of a state which in guru granth sahib talks about as being a halimi raj or the idea of kartarpur or the idea of begampura they are very very clear about that we are here to establish such that no one is a second class or a third class citizen nobody lives in fear and this is what the sikh doctrine of rajas so let's talk about that meaty and speedy element here because guru gobind singh gave tapi to banda singh bahadur started the khalsa raj you wrote that uh, it was the first time during the republic uh it was realized for them and we became public enemy number 1 talk about banda singh bahadur's raj a little sure and what i mean by that is when i'm throwing those words you know the idea of republic you know of course the republic has direct electoral politics sometimes representation politics similarly south asia was going through its own indigenous systems and baba banda singh bahadur in addition to guru's ideas of state as a Uh, when the historian study when they say gurus guru arjan even started a state within a state meeri peeri was started by guru nanak he says only the meer and only the peer are the corrupted ones and they are controlling people so all of this is already going through and the time of banda singh bahadur he is ordered and hand picked by guru gobind singh maharaj to now take a uh, disestablish disestablish the tyrannical state and establish in its place a uh, egalitarian society and i use the word disestablish because in guru granth sahib it says this is exactly what guru amar das pasha was also doing he says people who who is guru amar das uh, sahib very happy with it says tenar uthap bithappan so guru amar das suprasann pae akhirli line che hunda that guru amar das pasha is very happy with those who establish and disestablish at will which means they carry this capability they carry this capacity they carry this clarity so this is what banda singh bahadur did and everyone knows people who study politics of south asia politics of punjab political structures the whole revolutions of the land reform movements uh, not disturbing anyone's religious rights even if they were the persecutors of the time those were the establishments of banda singh bahadur but one of the things i think which is very important to talk about here is everyone knows about the seal because i think that that phrase became much more popular when nothing bothers phrase which the 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 dictum you know dekh dekh fateh that was written on banda singh bahadur's seal where he said dekh dekh fateh o nusrat bedrang yaft az nanak guru gobind singh essentially he's saying 
There is an unrestrained help which came from Guru Nanak through Guru Gobind Singh, and the sword was given to defend, and cauldron was given to feed. Now this is very important. Big part the world knows all over about us now, which is great. Maybe this is the 21st century's first 20 years were about. You know, we served longer at protests at COVID 19s uh, in ISIS run areas. And anywhere there is a need or a natural disaster, uh, we we serve. But this remember this phrase is "deg deg fateh o nusrat," "deg deg fateh o nusrat bedarang," which means fateh the victory is when there is enough for everyone to eat, and when everyone deg is about the political rights when people have their political rights secured. That's when the victory really comes. This is when the victory is achieved. and we are getting all this through the help of guru nanak and guru gobind singh maharaj now the part which is written on the coins is equally important because that was the seal of banda singh bahadur and on his uh, on his sikka it says sikka sadbar har do alam tege nanak wahibast fate gobind singh shah shahansa fazal sacha sahibast basically what it's saying is that this coin is struck in both the worlds now both the worlds uh classically is interpreted as being spiritual and political world some people interpret as being the world we live in and the world beyond essentially saying this coin is struck this is very political very real this is not a this is very tangible and but on whose guarantee because there is a guarantor of a currency and it says on there this is the guarantee of guru nanak's sword this is very interesting because it says tege nanak you know we have these stereotypes of gurus Baba Banda Singh Bahadur had no stereotypes of the gurus. Even in Guru Granth Sahib, it says that it is the khadak gyan which started the wisdom and the khadak. They come together, and this is what Guru Nanak gave to Guru Angad Sahib, and each guru their own words. And the Sikka says this very clearly that it was the teg of Guru Nanak which guarantees this coin, and by the grace of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj, the eternal sovereign who is the king of kings. And on the other side of the coin, the reverse it says. सरहंद and this coin was in 1711 so the point here is that um, the the coins and the seals of banda singh bahadur are direct interpretations of the trainings of 239 years working with the states of the time the rajas of the time the emperors of the time to create an egalitarian society but when egalitarian society was not being established banda singh bahadur established that in punjab you know i have it I have this coin right here. I always joke with my investing friends. I'm like, get Bitcoin, get enough, but make sure you have the Kalsa coin too. Mm. Yeah, because you know what? Because nobody talks like this anymore. Because you, you said it, coin struck in the both worlds by the guarantee of Guru Nanak's sword. Who talks about Guru Nanak's sword anymore? No, but I don't. You know, everyone knows the uh, depictions of Guru Nanak these days. So Banda Singh Bahadur was very clear. on on the khalsa rule so let's let's start going even forward uh, after banda singh bahadur actually not just banda singh bahadur was clear every sikh was clear pai gurdas has written the same thing even uh, from the time of guru amar das guru ram das patsha guru arjan patsha because he lived in the company of the four gurus and guru hargobind patsha even when he describes guru nanak he uses a very political vocabulary he says marya sikka jagat mein nanak nirmal panth chalaya sikka marga which means the coin was struck the language is very political because pai gurdas helps us to understand guru granth sahib and guru granth sahib says guru nanak started a raj so you know when we say guru nanak started a religion we understand what that what we mean today in today's sociological political the numbers and you know that adherence and all these things religions but we must understand we get a little bit worked up about how the west sees us or the east sees us well we don't fit into any model because we are really about this new kind of a raj this new kind of a naam taram these are the vocabularies of guru granth sahib and we must understand what naam taram is what raj is and what we are discussing today 
is the Teg of Nanak, as, uh, implying Guru Nanak Samaraj. This is what established that. It is the Naam of Guru Nanak which established this. Even today's Hukum says this. In the Wari Yaj, the reminder Aya from Harmandar Sahib's Hukum today, Sri Harmandar Sahib, where he says, <laughs> Ram Simar, Ram Simar, Ram Simar Pahi. Fellows, brothers, implying everyone, all of us, the fellow travelers, live in the remembrance of the one charmer divine. Live in the remembrance. Because in that remembrance, we establish this just rule. In that remembrance, we have a personal goal of connecting with Ikkovankar, but our public goal is to establish a just society. And we will only do this. And the six did it. The gurus taught us to that Nam Simran is not just for personal benefit. Nam Simran is that identification, that introspection, that connection with the divine, which makes you become like the divine so you can create that benevolent rule, that Halimi Raj. Uh, thank you for that. And you also wrote, uh, you know, Dr. Ganda Singh in The True Import of Raj Grega Khalsa. He wrote that a permanent and inseparable part of the Sikh prayer and should be recited on such, as such on all occasions of prayers by all Sikhs and Sikh congregations wherever they might be in all Gurdwaras, historical or other. So now let's get into, because you are big and put as Jedi, uh, <laughs> let's get into the empire, the British empire that came and basically mucked things up in India for everybody and every religion. And talk about the confusion and where did we start going array of Raj Grega Khalsa, the six. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things to understand is what uh, you just quoted that line of uh, Dr. Ganda Singh and for everyone's benefit, Dr. Ganda Singh is the man who, who collected a lot of the work, edited a lot of our works, what, you know, so people like me can figure out and read his books. And he collected a lot of the references. He's a historian, but he's a much bigger editor who found things and made them accessible to us. Uh, so people like us can go through Punjab Digital Library and find an e-copy of it, you know, when we have to do something. Anyway, so Dr. Ganda Singh is writing that. And he has written many remarkable things. And this is one of his conclusions. By the way, there was a, when he wrote this, there was a debate happening in India among the Sikhs and among the Indians in 1960s. So there has been this debate on Raj Karega Khalsa, primarily in independent India, after the partition 1947. So he writes this he's, and he concludes, he's like, look, there is no controversy here. There is zero dissonance here. From day one, everyone has been clear what this phrase means. In this phrase, in this Dohera, in the context of, you know, uh, 15 or so uh, lines there, it is very, very clear. This is referring to Khalsa Collective. This is referring to um, the Khalsa's aspiration to rule. And this is Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj saying, you must be prepared to do this. And so he's telling us all these things. Now, what happens is when the British come, uh, and by the way, until 1849, and this is, I want to make it a point, this was not controversial to use this phrase. Everyone knew the Hindus of Punjab, the Sikhs of Punjab, the Muslims of Punjab had no issue with this phrase. They all knew this meant the ability to politically capture power and establish a just society. The names of it kept changing because nobody goes back, right? Gurwani says, Agahu Kotran, that we look forward to establishing the next and the most current way to govern ourselves or govern the societies. So this is what they did. Baba Banda Singh Padar established the rule. Uh, the way he did it, uh, Bagail Singh did it a little differently because at the time what he's doing in Delhi is different. You know, capturing, recapturing, taxing them. Uh, by the time there are, and then there are genocides. So public enemy number one, when I said earlier, as soon as you establish rule or you're trying to establish a political sovereignty, which is what Guru uh, Nana Converse did and Guru uh, uh, Arjun Maharaj, Guru Arjun Sahab, when he did it, this is what Jahangir said to him, don't exercise this Miri business. But what did he do? Did He did not stop and he was politically assassinated and tortured. We call it martyred, Shahada. So this continued. Jassa Singh Aluwalia did it. He established a different kind of a confederacy system when he freed and captured Lahore in 1765 when Pangi Sardars. Maharaj Ranjit Singh took it to the next level when he consolidated an empire, a first indigenous kingdom, you know, 
when in the context of today is what's happening in Ladakh and Chin, we must look at the role of not the Dogras or the General Zora were saying. We have to look at the actual role of the Sikhs. And our Maharaja Ranjit Singh and his fellows were able to keep everything at bay and keep them in their spaces after conquering these spaces and claiming them to be part of the Kingdom of Punjab. So those things continued. But when the British came, they the confusions were being introduced because now Raj Karega Khalsa, um, most people agree, we don't have a dating that uh, this phrase was banned at Harmandar Sahib. And until today, this is still not sung. The Dora is still not sung. And we have all sorts of theories why this cannot be sung at Harmandar Sahib. Look, we must understand our Guru says we can sit anywhere and anywhere literally in the world and sing anything of ours. Nobody's going to tell us when to sing what. Yes, we have our protocols, we follow them, but wherever we do the Prakash of the Guru, Jithya Jai Bahai Mera Sat Guru, So Thaan So Hava Ram Rajay. It's very clear. We don't let any earthly authority tell us what dictum we can sing where and where we cannot. So that hasn't been sung. And since 1947, from the British period, and by the way, British period is important because they also asked six, Captain Murray, who was in charge of coming up with this idea of how did the six get the ability to rule? Sir David Octoloni was in charge of the mission at the time. And at Ludhiana, they had Captain Murray, whose job was to go find out, you know, how did six get the ability to rule? Because there were two ways you were allowed to rule. Either it was hereditary that your father was a king, you know, or somebody um, genetically you were given this because you were the elder son or some other way. Or second was the, the religious people decided that you were, you now had the ability to rule the church basically, or in Indian systems, the Brahmin decided in the West, the church decided. In case of six, it was neither. So at the time there is Ratan Singh Pangu who comes from the family of Shaheeds and he actually was a teacher of Captain Murray. And he's having conversation with him, which he eventually recorded in a book called Siri Guru Panth Prakash, sometimes called Prachin Panth Prakash by Ratan Singh Pangu. And he asks him, how did you get the ability to rule? He says, it was given to us by the Guru. And like, who's the Sadhguru? He says, Sadhguru is Guru Nanak. So it's that clear. So it was not that scholars knew this. It wasn't that particular people in Harmandar Sahib or Kaltak Sahib knew this. Even Somebody like Banda Singh Bahadur knew this, and somebody who is going through the genocidal campaigns was completely aware of it because when we started ruling in 18th century, starting 1710 all the way till 1849, we went through multiple genocides because no state likes that now you have creating not only mental clarity, spiritual clarity, you have such a political clarity as well. And this is when six became enemy number one of the state, and it continues till date. Uh, so during the British period, uh, not only our memory is being changed, now we are not also being allowed to uh, not sing. And now the debates on this start, uh, on this phrase. And uh, by the time independent India comes, uh, all sorts of controversies on this, this phrase starts. So basically, I would say the phrase, the political aspect of this phrase, which is what this phrase is, the whole context is political it starts to change or gets appropriated starting in 1947, but heavily done in 1970s of independent India. So let's, let's go even further uh, and talk about what happened with the Kapoor Singh and Pai George Singh. And in the 1975 convention in Patiala, you wrote basically, you know, Sadar Kapoor Singh, who is, I don't know, our, in the last century, one of the biggest brains in, <laughs> in Sikhi we had. Um, he even was clear, but then he and by George Singh, who worked, um, you know, actively for the Khalsa, I guess, or for the sitcom, uh, I guess he went to the empire. So talk about that. Why? I mean, they were both smart. Uh, how come Kapoor Singh knew what to do and by George Singh uh, fell astray? Well, you know, so that's something which I think uh, individuals have to make their own decisions on. Let me actually present, they both were actually bureaucrats. So we must understand, this is why this is a good case study. They both worked for the British. They were both very well educated. They were very active politically. They were administrators, they were bureaucrats. 
but there is a difference right and the difference is in fact pai jodh singh is given the title pai in the community they even worked on a project together you know that unesco publication which was done in 1969 at the 500th anniversary of uh, guru nanak sahib sanitary uh, that five six who worked on the translations collectively pai jodh singh is part of it sardar kapoor singh is also part of that so these are very well uh, respected individuals of the time they understand the politics of the time they understand sikhi but here comes a differentiation uh, that pai jodh singh as a vice chancellor starts to essentially interpret at the time on how to commemorate guru teg bahadur padshah and there's a meeting held for that and he starts to say that sikhi is not political sikhi is only spiritual now this is very interesting and in that context kapoor singh sardar kapoor singh i must say uh, says of pai jodh singh that he critiques him heavily in fact not only does he critique him he says i i would say you can read his words because these i think they are critiques of ours if you ask me because we are like this but his essential point is you can talk about whether we are ready for it or not but you cannot say that this is not a historical fact and you cannot say that this is not sikhi now very important I, the line which he wrote which i think is most applicable to us as well right now is he says the validity can be judged however unpalatable or prima face impractical it might otherwise appear in the case of present day sikh people politically subjugated culturally submerged intellectually confused and barren morally decayed economically deprived and plundered through the partition of india and religiously profaned think about this for a second what he's saying is he's talking about us you and me and all of us who are going through these kind of things that what is this that when there is a confusion when we religiously don't understand ourselves politically don't understand it we have gone through a serious uh, partition moment and then truncation of punjab in the punjabi subha moment all he's saying is look you cannot say this did not happen like this you cannot rewrite the history and you cannot redefine sikhi even if we are not capable of understanding it fully at this moment in time that's the point which i want to highlight more so let's come to some uh, current events then um and you know what let me ask you a question because i was talking to one of my uncles he called me the other day uh, because he knows i was doing this and let's talk about kind of uh, what sadar kapoor singh was saying this too cuz he was like oh kalsa i mean we're not even we can't agree on anything now there's no unity what raj are we going to do how are we going to come together we fight on every little thing you know and i was like yeah okay i mean you got a point you got a point you fight on every little thing but it doesn't mean that like kapoor singh was saying doesn't mean that we don't need it or we don't want yeah. it still uh, i think so what do you say to that not, i think that's a very real question sorry yeah i'm saying that this is a very real question and i understand that question and i also get it many a time i think we need to understand where it's coming from there are couple of myths about this idea of we don't have unity because what does unity mean i think we have this word very confused with the word uniformity uniformity means everyone has to agree to it unity means people who believe in that aspiration are united to get it done they have clarity and they have they figure out the resources to get things done so let's bring it let's start with dasme pasha for a second you know there is a battle of pangani you think every sikh agreed with it in fact most sikhs left it there was a halwai who fought on his behalf his mama fought with him few sikhs fought with him uh, when he's fighting this first battle battle of pangani and peer buddu shah came and won one mahant stayed back and fought with him so who unifies unity is always about people who believe in the idea and when they unify things get done uh so let's apply it contemporarily this is not about uh firstly if you want to unify you must have an idea clear what is the vision of raj in 2020 you know people who have the vision in the 80s they fought and they died and they were tortured as well you can agree or disagree just like during baba vanna singh bahadur people they still agree or dis- people still debate him 
but people who you who believed in the idea of banda singh bahadur and the panj pyaras who were with them they united you know uh, and they fought so unity is not that everyone who self identifies as a sikh must agree with the idea that's not what unity is they never did not everyone even joined the khalsa rank and everyone who was a khalsa did not even work for the khalsa raj so let's be very very clear about this now in addition to this what we need to also understand is that raj is not our end goal remember raj is governance as well as rule governance is the minimum we are looking for but if the governance cannot be established properly then we must establish the rule as well and this is cyclical in sikhi during guru period we see the preparations for it and the city states being started after that sometimes we ruled sometimes we didn't sometimes we worked with the state sometimes we did not work with the state but the idea that we must be prepared and remain sovereign this is very very clear in sikhi so in last 200 years this is one of the reasons we are discussing this since 1849 and primarily since 1947 we continue to work with unjust states we have had unjust states you know whether it were the moguls or the hill rajas after that and it's not about hindu or muslim here let's get that very very clear because uh, they both it's the ruling class essentially sometimes they came in the form of lakhpat rai or jaswat rai and other times they came in the forms of mir mannus sometimes they came as mogal emperors other time they came, came as the hill rajas sometimes they came under the british empire and sometimes they're coming under an indian empire i call it empire but you can call it indian state the issue six have had and they must we must continue to have that in the name of the guru is we fight for the oppressed we fight for halimi raj six were the ones in 1970s who says let's make india the federal structure and when they did that they were called separatists you know what all leading political thinkers of india today say that was the right vision six were just 50 years ahead that's what that means and we need to be ahead if you are going to be the pioneers and transcenders you will be killed that's what it means this is what we did you know we were the ones who were fighting with ahmed shah abdali or actually durrani but more popularly known as abdali when he kept attacking and take to was taking hindu women from india as slaves we fought with them he could not cross the punjab the area where six ruled even when the rule was not very unified even when it was in a missal structure or a confederacy structure of a, of the time in the missal period but the point is that raj is something we must be capable of we must be able to fight for it is not an end goal but it is a goal we will work towards if the state is unjust if the policies are unjust right. i just want to remind everybody if you have any questions please put it in the chat channel and uh, we will get to them very soon uh harinder i want to talk about uh current events a little more but i also want to talk about something you know kind of like what you're saying and what my uncle was saying too and like not in so many words you know people are shy, people shy away from khalsa people like you know i want to say you know it's different man it's like when you say sashi khalsa someone or you say vaiguru ka khalsa vaiguru ki fatah banda like thoda hil janda you're like oh okay okay hold on someone's here someone someone's here you know and i think and, and even india was afraid of khalsa because i want to get to i'm i'm glad you mentioned in the article i don't want to get to a lot of the appropriations that happened with the word khalsa but i'm glad you mentioned the dada singh movie because i i was on youtube and i was this was many years ago and i was watching dada singh's interview because i watch i'm a big punjabi music lover and punjabi movie lover and dada singh was just talking about his life and his movie came because he opened up a studio he actually went back you know he went back to punjab opened up a studio tried to do something for his own you know countrymen uh and his own town and his own friend and uh, he made a movie first called raj karega khalsa he said but he's like he this is his words it's on youtube anyone could go find it he's like sarkar ne hon nahi ditti so i had to change the title of the movie that everything in the movie was the same but he had to change the title to savalakse eklun so even the gover even indian government doesn't want khalsa in a movie like what what <laughs> what do you so, say to that man 
Yeah, let's work with two things here. So your first question about Khalsa itself and then the, the real Khalsa versus the appropriated Khalsa, let's talk about it and how it shows up in movies. So let's go back to the context. This appears, this phrase appears when the Khalsa description starts. You know how it starts? It says Khalsa soe jo Khalsa soe lade hoye So Khalsa is not into slandering. Khalsa is the first one to come and fight for the oppressed. Khalsa is the one who's working to eliminate his or her vices. These are the vocabularies. These are the descriptions. You know, we are today fighting for the definition of Khalsa. There is no definition of Khalsa. There's a description of the Khalsa, which is about the behaviors. You know, and in those behaviors, it also says, Khalsa so jo chade turang. Khalsa so jo kare nit jang. This is part of this bani, Tankhanama, where the phrase comes. So my point is, when people are talking about the word Khalsa, I think one of the bigger problem has come in when the popular word instead of Khalsa has become Amritari. And please bear with me, don't get too upset at me. Historically, there was no such term. I know what the term means. Amrit is part of how you become a Khalsa. It was called, earlier it was called Pahul, Khande ki Pahul, you know? So I think some of the problem comes in is when we reduce certain things to only ceremonies and they are not noticeable in behaviors. This is, I'm referring to the collective part, right? Otherwise in the Bani and the history, even in some of the appropriation, it is very clear who the Khalsa is. Khalsa is the one who's not afraid. Khalsa is the one who's going to go take care of business. Khalsa is the one, but the part which we are minusing is Khalsa is the one who is Ram Simar as well. Khalsa is the one, Nit Jang is, you fight internally every day. You don't find external fight every day. When you're fighting internally, you are getting rid of your flaws. You're getting rid of your vices. You're connected to Vaheguru. You are like a Kuvankar. And when you are like a Kuvankar, because this is the real goal of the Sikh, to become just like a Kuvankar. So when you become just like a Kuvankar, the rule you will establish is also going to be Nirpa Nirvair rule. This is the this is the Halimi Raj idea or Halimi Raj idea. So the first part about Khalsa, which I was referring to, in the Bani itself, it's so clear that Khalsa is the one jo nirdhan ko So we understand that, right? But what we don't understand is Khalsa sohe dusht ko gale. You know, so if you want to do all these things, uh, the, the the descriptions of the Khalsa, historical descriptions of the Khalsa, then after describing this, this is when Guru Gobind Singh Sahib says, Suno Nandalal Eho Saach, Pragato Apne Raj. After describing the behavior of the Khalsa, Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj says to Pai Nandalal Goya, now let me tell you the eternal truth that this is the kind of Raj we will be establishing where there is no caste system. So those of you who are Khalsa or those of you who are self-identified Sikhs, whether you have gone through the Pahul or Amrit ceremony, ask, do you still? And it's just like caste system. You know, we all think we are, it's just like, you know, anti-blackness idea. We all think we are not racist. We are. It's a question of how racist we are. Similarly applied to the caste. Now we are debating whether this can happen or not. We must. This is the behavior of the Khalsa. And this is the one which says, Chade turang udave baj. So my point is, when you go through these things, at the end it says, Raj karega khalsa aki rahena koe, khwar hoye sab milenge, bache sharanjo hoye. This is the behavior of the khalsa. When the behavior becomes like that of a kovankar, then comes what kind of uh, establishments you'll be doing. And in those establishments, everyone will be afraid. Dara Singh, when he produced that movie, you know, all, you know, salutations to him, as we will say, because it was actually the Akalis and the Congress which messed him up. And we must understand this point. This is connected to the Pai Jod Singh point you had mentioned earlier. So when a Sikh, an individual Sikh, joins the establishment, and this is my inference because this is what we are seeing. 
when an individual soiks becomes part of the establishment how do you become part of the establishment well you live in a particular zip code as we will say today or you have particular jobs or you have particular expectations if you want to work with a particular business community or a political community when they join the establishment it might be in the form of a political party or any other form which i just mentioned then they become something less then they want to not invoke the khalsa this is very interesting i mean i'll make it more relevant even for this week the whole of india is talking about gurtej singh today because of what he did with his kripan with the chinese soldiers he's an indian soldier so now the kripan is understood and nobody has issues with it even in india that here is gurtej singh who took care of 12 people on his own a 23 year old young sikh from punjab who is working for indian forces because he took on the chinese where rest of the india you know what the propaganda against china is going on but that's a separate issue but nobody has issues with you invoking sikhi and kirpan today even in india but you look at any other news you look at some of the songs you look at some of the news items which come in look at how they describe kirpan look what gandhi said about kirpan look how kirpan is so when sikhs say those negative things about khalsa and about kirpan because this is related to the sword this is related to the teg it is because they are not listening to the gurus shabad or the sikh historical traditions we are not taught that it's just like we don't know about black history because it is not taught in america i'm making it relevant similarly we don't know about sikh history because it is not taught in america or in india or in punjab so what happens you know kudos to the khalsa schools in whatever capacity they do kudos to the online forums now kudos to the study circles and sabhas and other places and those who were teaching it the gurmat studies program this is where we have been learning this so when those who don't learn this they are listening to the state narratives or states agencies narratives whether it is in pakistan or hindustan or now anywhere on the globe and this is why we don't know what a khalsa is this is why we don't know who guru nanak is this is we don't know what raj is and we end up with this very confusing state and the number one way to get out of this confusing state is to rely on the primary sources and the secondary sources to learn about sikh traditions oh thanks for that because someone did mention um in the questions that which you answered here a sikh who is not amritari is that person a khalsa i think we got through that so you know what let's uh let's go to a question actually one thing, yeah. i think i i want to bring a historical element here okay khalsa word let me also bring in when we read sanapat who wrote sri guru soba for example so khalsa is the one who declared his allegiance we know this by taking amrit or pahol whatever you want to call it khande ki pahol but when it refers to the sikh collective the word khalsa is also invoked for example in ardas khalsa ji bolo ji wahe guru right it refers to the sikh collective mahakavi sanapat says that after anandpur sahib not just the vasakhi day but after the months of it within a month the rest of the sangat gur sangat ki ni khalsa bhai gurdas second has also written this which means the sikh collective is also the khalsa so even if you have not taken amrit but you are in line with the aspirations of the khalsa you are included in that being that you are part of the guru khalsa panth you might not have publicly declared your allegiance but we refer to the sikh collective as the khalsa as well uh thanks for that clarification um so let's get to aspirations and something real which is in a lot of sikh psyche and there's a good question on it so um let me just read it to you it's from jungshan from waterloo ontario uh what should be the legal aspect of the sikhraj in context of khalistan people being arrested on support of khalistan in india is khalistan same as the raj we are talking about right so i think this is a very valid and very real question and um let me present to you a perspective on it first thing is remember that any time there is a movement there is a unity we talked about the word unity earlier unity of those who are working on that issue so people who are working on khalistan need to come together and articulate that 
what it is, articulate the movement. Then there are people in the movement, there are people outside the movement. And when you have that level of unity and clarity and resourcefulness, we will have most of the answers we are looking for. We had those answers, by the way, uh, whether we liked it or not, whether you subscribed it to or not, that's a secondary thing. Just like I mentioned, not everyone liked what Banda Singh, forget Banda Singh Bahadur only, some people don't even like what Guru Gobind Singh or Guru Hargobind Pacha did because we are confused about what Guruship in Sikhi is. Similarly, between the, uh, after 84, there is a movement. Who can run away from this movement? This movement is very political. It is very bloody. The, there is a fight between the Indian state and the Sikhs who aspired for Khalistan. You know, now that movement, sometime between 91 and 93, um, you know, because of extrajudicial killings, because of many other things, even after electoral politics, Punjab's uh, elections where nine of the 13 MPs won on the Khalistan ticket. It's very important to understand because people said it was a fringe movement. It was not. Let's talk about the facts. Nine of the 13 MPs of Punjab in late 80s, one who were either militants themselves, they were serving sentence as militants, or their wives or spouses or fathers runs on those tickets. So it was not as black and white as sometimes we make it to be in some of the state narratives. So if there is a next element of that, people, because not every Sikh, remember every Sikh does not have to agree to every movement. Those who are aspirational towards the next movement uh, of whatever it needs to be called, some like to call it Khalistan, some are saying Punjab. I, this is why I mentioned what Baba Banda Singh Bahadur did was Bagail Singh didn't say, let's reestablish Banda Singh Bahadurs. He said, let's establish uh, our version of it. Jassa Singh Aluwalia did his, his next version. Maharaj Ranjit Singh is his next version. So we need, to, we, need, we need to go through these iterations. And those who want to work towards the unjust state, wherever they live, and I'm going to challenge this to the viewers and the ones who ask this question. Like, are you ready to do this? Because the state where you're living in is also unjust. And there comes a point when it's too unjust, then are you ready to topple that state? And by the way, this understood, understanding existed in Sikh masses and people who write about Sikhs also have this understandings. So for example, uh, Amitav Ghosh wrote a novel. You know, there's the same man who wrote uh, The Ghosts of Mrs. Gandhi about what happened in 1984, but he wrote a novel. Uh, uh, and where he says there is an ethnic Sikh in Myanmar, and he's a physics student. He leaves university and he starts fighting for independence there because he says university can wait, but people must be freed. And this is the Sikh aspiration, you see. So Sikh aspiration is to fight for establishing just societies everywhere. In case of Punjab, there is a historical significance because there was a kingdom of Punjab and Sikhs did establish indigenous rule there. And there have been and there continue to be human rights violations there and unfulfillment of promises since 1947. And those need to be resolved. And if they cannot be resolved with an unjust state, and then the Sikh doctrine of Raj is very clear that capturing political power to establish that Raj is also just. People who are establishing that, they need to become very clear about it. They need to be, create a unity and clarities and certainties in their movements. And not everyone will support it, but those who support it, they will fight for it. I'm just looking at some of the questions and the conversations that are happening. Because we did talk about dig and dig, you know, economic rights and political rights. So for this to be global, now, you know, Khalsa rules should be global. Do we need, because uh, some people are talking about it, um, like a sick cyber currency around the world? that could help in these matters and uh, I guess get money to places where, you know, places like India where you just can't go to an ATM and uh, start getting cash. Um, so how, what do you think about the global aspirations about this, about yeah. Khalsa rule? I mean, that was, yeah, that was a Khalistan question, but let's talk about, cause there's, there's sick leaders everywhere these days, yes. especially in Canada. But, you know, they're going to be everywhere and, you know, six and maybe it's in our blood or maybe it's in those Punjabi genes where we want to, you know, get to the highest of high. 
um, position. So what do you I think, think about that? Is, so look, uh, I think this is where the serious work is needed and this is part of the confusion. There is no global Raj Karega Khalsa. That's, this is the whole effort I was trying to make today, that this is a historical thing. This is a geopolitical thing. You know, you, this is where appropriation started happening when people start saying, Pure India nu Khalistan banalo, uh, Kashmir to Kanyakumari tikar banalo. I've heard even militant leaders who have been um, either joined the establishment, you know, how we talk about it, Pai Jod Singh and Sadar Kapoor Singh. We had similar things in the 80s and 90s which have happened. Look, there is no global Raj Karega Khalsa. The global aspiration is that wherever you are, you make Kartarpur. Wherever you are, you make that city the best city of the Halimi Raj idea. And then there is a historical Raj. There is a historicity of what happened in Punjab. And this is where we spend a lot of time on, you know, that what happened between 1710 and 1849, that's 150 years almost. Yeah. And then those 150 years, you know, the British need to be held accountable for a lot of that. Sikh leadership needs to be held accountable. Punjabis also need to be held accountable, not just the Sikhs, as to what do they really want out of this. That said, there is globalization part, I think is confusing us a little bit. Raj Karega Khalsa is not referring to that. Raj Karega Khalsa's in spirit is referring to that where if you live in Canada, for example, we have politicians in Canada, we have ministers in Canada, we have party leader in Canada, all three major party people have it. They cannot establish Khalsa Raj in Canada. They can bring the value systems of the Khalsa Raj and try to add that to the fabric of the Canadian charter. Similarly in America, America is not, this is a native land guys. This is a colonial construct we are adding to if we think we can create it here, no. But what we can do here is we can bring, like we are the immigrants, like other immigrants came earlier. They brought in ideas of uh, Plato's Republic and Judeo-Christian heritage based on Bible and other books. Uh, we get to bring the manifestos out of Guru, of Guru Granth Sahib. We get to bring from a Khalsa lifestyle some of the ideas into the countries we live in, the nation states we live in. Um, at this moment, I also want to mention that even when there was a Sikh state, Akal Takht is still independent. Maharaja Ranjit Singh had a kingdom. So Akal Takht and Sri Harmandar Sahib complex, that needs to be understood as being a very different entity. They tell the global Sikhs what to do. They tell every Sikh what to do, but they are not necessarily a replacement for a Sikh state as it was during Maharaja Ranjit Singh and several other Sikh states which existed in Punjab before Maharaja Ranjit Singh, even after Maharaja Ranjit Singh, until 1960, there were Pepsu states. So I think we need to understand that there is a physical territorial rule, which is the aspiration in Punjab, has been since Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj, and not just an aspiration, but an actual reality in various ways it was practiced. Similarly, the idea of the Raj needs to be practiced globally wherever Sikhs are in their leadership positions. But let's be very, very clear. The questions we should be asking outside of Punjab are that Sikhs who are Khalsa, who claim to be part of the Khalsa, how are they going to carry their allegiances into changing, not uh, just serving the Canadian or the American or the UK, but serving it in the capacity where you're making this a better egalitarian society, a better structure, a non, in today's vocabulary, this will mean, how are you going to make sure uh, that the structural changes are being provided in order to get rid of all, all the racisms, but also the, uh, essentially what has been done to the native populations, including genocides and the reparations for those need to be done. So those are two or three different things which we need to be thinking about. And I'm just presenting a, a general ideas on it. Frameworks need to be developed in all these cases and serious study needs to go. There are very smart people doing PhDs right now. You know, this is a remarkable time for six from Delhi all the way to uh, 
you know, US and Canada, especially and UK, there's so many people studying all of these elements. And what is really needed, if you ask me, is to understand these elements, recognize uh, where four-fifths of the Sikh population still lives, that's Punjab. And understanding and using these studies you are doing, this intellect you're developing for also serving the Khalsa Geo. And that's where the work is needed. Thanks for that. There's another question, um, I think it's a good one. Are there other faiths with similar concepts to Raj Grega Khalsa and how have those faith groups handled such concepts, excluding crusades or conquests of the Americas? Of course there are. I mean, you know, uh, you look at how the Christian monarchy has been practiced in Scandinavian countries is quite different. And even there, for example, in Switzerland, they're trying to figure out how to have something like a Sarvat Khalsa in their own way. I mean, you've seen in the news, Afghanistan is struggling with it. In a different form, um, you know, the Islamic world debates this all the time as to when they establish Pakistan, uh, uh, to whether it is the vision of Islam versus the vision of Islam being Iran versus the vision of Islam being what's in Saudi Arabia versus what they did in ISIS or ISIL or whatever Islamic State's versions exist. There is a constant debate in, in, uh, in, uh, in countries throughout this. There is a debate as to what happened in Thailand, whether this is a Buddhist model. Um, there is a Sinhalese model in Sri Lanka, which has been... My point is, this is, this is where indigenous systems matter. Okay? This is where in Africa, there are different ways of ruling as well. Particular tribal cultures are the way they want to live and they want to exist. The discussion really is in the context of Raj Karega Khalsa, what does it really mean? It really means that in the words of, I'm paraphrasing Sardar Kapoor Singh, what it means is no state has a right to tell Sikhs how to live. We have a right to self-rule. And it was guaranteed to us by Guru Nanak, Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj. And we practiced it. Never mind if we lost it for a while, but we will always be ready for it. And the world knows this, by the way. The British world knew this, the Mughal world knew this, the Indian world knows this, and wherever Sikhs will go, when they start being seriously politically active, every space you become seriously politically active, they would know that you're serious about it as well. And they will do everything in their power to appropriate you, because that's what happens. This is what Punjabi songs have done with the Raj Garega Khalsa. This is what Indian newspapers have done with the Raj Garega Khalsa. Sometimes they use this phrase to describe what AAP was doing, the Aam Admi Party. Sometimes they do this with the cricket. When the three six are playing cricket, they say this is the Raj Garega Khalsa is the batting now. I mean, that's appropriations. Punjabi songs themselves have done it. You know, the some of them have really celebrated as well. Let me mention, you know, for example, I'm going to just give one traditional example. If you listen to Kuldeep Manak's Banda Bahadur's War, you know what a Raj is. There is no appropriation there. It's straight up. This is what Banda Singh Bahadur was sent to Punjab to do. And he paid with his life. And that's what it means to be public enemy number one. You know, you will pay with your life. And this is the history of the six. We have a narrative to tell to the world that we are not interested in being the rulers but we are interested in establishing the just rule. And there's a difference. And this is very much Gurbani driven. Gurbani, this line sometimes is misquoted, but I want to mention it. Sikh's goal is to be in love. That part, nobody can debate based on Guru Granth Sahib. And it says very clearly, we are neither interested in liberation as a political ability to rule or liberation as a moksha, which means the spiritual liberation. These are not our end goals, including spiritual liberation. And I'm mentioning this on purpose here because people think everything is spiritual. No, it's not. Rajana chahu, muktana chahu, manpreet charan clear So don't reduce everything to spirituality. If you're going to, then this line is very clear that I'm not interested in that spiritual liberation either. Right? But what the line is actually saying, and this, by the way, is a shabad of Guru Arjan Maharaj, Guru Arjan Saab, and Dev Gandhari. And the Rahul line is beautiful because the Shabbat is actually about being in love. Amrita priya bachan tohare, at sundar, man mohan pyare, sabhu mad nirare. You know, like, so the context is about 
that I am in love with the beautiful. In that context, it says, I do not desire the rule. I do not desire this salvation. So religious and the political, what I do desire is to be in love. And in Sikhi, to be in love is to become like the one, to become like the heart, to become like the Ekoankar. And in becoming like the Ekoankar, we're interested in establishing a just society. And to establish that just society, we're willing to give up our lives, which we continue to do. We have served wherever Sikhs have committed, by the way, wherever. Now, we happen to be mostly in India. So you're going to see us serving mostly in India, including if some chose to work in Indian army, you will see it. If some are joining the Pakistan army, you will see it. If some are joining the US or the Canadian, you will see it. But let's not reduce to serving in the army as being the only service. The Khalsa service is Nirdham ko paale. Khalsa service is Dusht ko gaale. And this is the serious appropriation even done by Sikhs. Our real reason to exist as a Khalsa is to take care of the oppressed and to take care of the, the ones who are doing the persecutions, the tyrants. And to do that, if we are going to be part of particular nation states to do it, go ahead, go ahead and do it if that's what you desire. But the ultimate Sikh goal is to do this independently, to do this freely, and to do this coming out of what we now call neither the left ideologies nor the right ideologies, because they do not, both of them do not suit us. This is why we are the Tisar Fund. But we can create allyships with them based on certain projects. We can be part of certain campaigns, but let's not misunderstand and misappropriate or appropriate or reappropriate what Raj Karega Khalsa itself is. This is the promise of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj that those who come in the Sharan, those who take refuge, who take sanctuary in the Guru, they will understand this and they will establish the Khalsa Raj for time immemorial. Genocides will come and go. Raj will also come and go. But Sikh's ability to be able to create Raj and establish Raj must exist. Render, I can't believe the time flew. <laughs> I'm looking at the time right now. We are even we're doing overtime. Uh, just deep. I know you had a question. I hope he answered some of that um, uh, for in your question uh, that you're asking. Uh, Render, always a pleasure. Purufate. You are listening to Sick Cast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. <laughs>